bottled up difficult emotions, guilt, sadness, anxiety, addiction, unhealthy obsessions? Well, the vast majority of us hide them in the basement of our minds and live under the pretense that they have gone. However, these bottled up emotions grow more prominent over time and manifest in our daily thoughts and our behaviours. At some point, it just feels overwhelming to handle them all. Maybe you've been there. You're not alone. I was once someone who hid behind a packet of Doritos to feel that happy vibe. It was the sense of happiness that came from having my belly full, but it was disguised in the feeling of my heartbreak, the feeling of self-worth. Instead, I started to date multiple men to feel loved. Now, this is me being completely real with my listeners. I'll always be honest with you. I dated a lot of men in that time because I didn't feel good enough. I bottled it up. It hit me hard when I felt lonely, overweight. And then I was lacking the energy to get off the sofa to see my friends. That tipping point was a sign that I needed emotional healing. Our big question today is how is emotional healing different to physical healing? To answer this question, we have expanded our reach to across the pond. To be specific, Boston. Our podcast is getting traction across the world. Hell yeah, it feels really, really good. So let me introduce you to Jackie Roby. Jackie is a Chief Excellence Officer at Inspired Journey Consulting, a Boston-based business dedicated to wellness, healing, and transformational tourism. Hmm, put all of that together, hey? So through a message of hashtag travel can heal, Inspired Journey Consulting's vision is to create a world where marginalized people feel empowered to be their authentic selves, where traveling is a tool for inclusion to enhance the cultural wellness in the travel industry and grow emotional intelligence, healing and a self-care for a kinder humanity. How lucky are we to have Jackie with us? Jackie, welcome to Success Talks. How is life treating you? Oh, thank you so much, Tammy. Life is phenomenal and I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. What a great word, phenomenal. So high on life. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. It really is. Um, so I just wanted to start by thanking you. Thank you for your amazing article in the Yellow Magazine it was really refreshing to have something completely different, a, a different dynamic to healing as we know it. What inspired you to embark on the journey to help people to heal with travel? Mm. Well, 
I have worked in the travel industry in sales for almost 20 years now. And about 17 or 18 years in, I was working for a large consortium, which is a collection of, I think we had 50,000 travel agencies underneath the umbrella. I was given a program to oversee that was a luxury wellness program. So this is where I learned about wellness and healing travel. And when I came into the space, I thought, oh, it's spa and yoga, which was great because I love spa and yoga. <laughs> but then I really started to see what was there, that it was so much deeper than that, that people had the chance to get the support on their healing journey. And I myself had been on my own journey for over a decade at that point. And I thought, if I'm in the industry and I didn't know this, how in the world is anybody else supposed to know? So it moved me in a way to create my own business. And that's where it was born. Yeah. So seeing it and experiencing it from afar and then using that to help others. Was there something that you experienced in your life that made you feel compelled to, to take this role? Yes, definitely. I had fallen into a very deep depression and I now can look back and say I was running from my feelings for a long time. And I was running from past trauma and I was running from abuse and I was running from insecurity and body shaming and all of these different things. And finally, it all caught up with me and I had my first dance with depression and it knocked me. And I will never forget how alone I felt. Even though I had people, I still felt alone. And I spent years in therapy. I'm still in therapy. I love therapy. And I spent years reading and learning and trying new ways to work on my own mental wellness and find happiness and joy. And then when wellness travel came into my world, I really soaked it in and I made sure to meet with healers and different, you know, doctors and therapists to learn what tools were available through travel in these different spaces. And it was there that I, it shook me. It shook me in a beautiful way. And I knew I wanted to help. I knew that I had a voice to use and that the travel industry, it was run like so many other industries where when you have the deepest pockets, it, you make the most noise. And these visionaries that have opened these wellness travel and healing travel resorts and hotels and that are focusing on tours and, and retreats, they don't necessarily have those deep pockets. 
and maybe they don't have the sales skills. But I'm a trained salesperson and I can make noise in creative ways. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's good. That's a good skill to have and, and to shine a light on an industry that is really, it's actually really helping people. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, so in the UK, uh, it's not that common that people would go to counseling or therapies I think the UK are a little bit further behind than say America so what I'm imagining now is people listening to this uh, podcast thinking yeah 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 that's not me you know I'm not suffering maybe they're disguising their feelings like I said earlier the basement of their mind is like yeah I've dealt with that but it's not until it kind of gets explosive and usually from my experiences I've seen people uh, with their behaviors, where they've got addictions or a heavy reliance on someone or they're codependent, that's where they're uh, bottling up the emotions. How, from, from your experience and the people that you've worked with, what are the common, yeah, like the common behaviors or stories that people are experiencing that will help our listeners to go, oh, okay, that's, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Well, I would say that um, while therapy might not be the go-to in the UK, I I think that the commonality of letting things get to the extreme, that can be universal. Oh, yes. (laughs) You know, um, in my own story, I had to have my mom fly out from another state to help me because I couldn't function anymore. And people that I work with, people that have come to me looking for support on their journey, they'll say, I've had this happen. I thought I was alone. I've been dealing with this sadness. I can't get out of bed or I'm going through the motions and I don't feel anything. Mm. I can't feel happiness. Um, I have been abused my whole life. And I just realized I'm in an abusive marriage. Um, there's so many different ways. And even the, the stress, the trauma, we as a, as a world in humanity, we have all across the globe experienced trauma. And I know very heavily in the UK with all of the lockdowns that you've had, that's very jarring. And we're social people. We're meant to have change and even change of scenery. So there are things that we might not even realize have changed within us. Some people talk about the anxiety of leaving their house or being in big crowds or even seeing more than six people at a time or one person at a time. What does that look like? Being hugged. Think about those things that we are no longer used to that will be affecting our everyday life moving forward. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about the different types of people. Uh, so I've, I've been well connected and, and serving different clients uh, all around the UK. And 
some are introverts and they've said lockdown has been a blessing for them. They really uh, was distracted in an office environment where there's noise everywhere, people trying to get their attention. Um, and also the feeling of having to be someone's friend when you don't really gel with them at all because you have to be obliged to speak to the person next to you, for example. And so it's been a blessing. And on the flip side, those that are extroverts that feed off people's energy felt uh, that it was like an awful thing to, to happen to them. They, they need that interaction, that connection. But then I was thinking about how we're now going to integrate back into society how do we do that what does that look like and there's still concerns of um, the office environment um, the the layout of the rooms or the coffee shops whatever it might be there's still some uncertainties there I think everyone will be foolish to believe that this experience isn't traumatic and, and when we say the word trauma uh, it's almost as if it's like a big event. But the way I hear trauma is that it could be on a smaller scale. The not being able to work in the office is a traumatic experience that you're having to change a lot about you and your lifestyle and there's still uncertainties about it. Whether you fully realize or not, those emotions sit somewhere within you and it's manifesting. And at some point it's going to show up, maybe not now, maybe in 10 years time, uh, when maybe there's a life change. I, I don't know if you've experienced that when people maybe have children or change career, something uh, that, that changes them, that old trauma resurfaces. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, think about all of the people that are starting their own businesses. And what comes up within you as you're going through this process, and even years later that you're dealing with, maybe you started out and everything was magic, and then things slowed down, or you didn't find happiness, or clients changed routes, or whatever it was, and then you start to question yourself. And then there's self-doubt. And you know, if you don't get the email reply right away with a yes from a client, then what happened? Things stopped selling. What, whatever that is, it plays on us and it plays on us because of things that we've dealt with and experienced earlier. Yeah. Yeah. The whole comparison game, even outside of the current uh, climate, mm -hmm. there's always that, well, if someone else is doing this, they must be better than me. You start to doubt yourself. Uh, your self-esteem is almost squished along the way as well and I've, I've seen a lot of that particularly with social media so social media it's interesting I I hear that a lot and I guess I think I found such value in that space because I'm intentional about what I'm looking for now I know I've had moments, but it was probably a little more close to home where I saw things and it made me feel a certain way, but I really look to it as a positive space for inspiration and for community. And I think when there's points that it's not that, that's when you close it down and you take a detox. I actually take a digital detox every week, one day a week, one day during the weekend. 
my phone goes in another room and I'm completely off of it. I stay off of social media and I use social for my business. So it's difficult for me to, to turn off away from it. Why do you do that? Is there like an emotional connection that you have to it that you're trying to work through? Yeah, I do that for, uh, to avoid burnout. I was noticing how burnt out I was getting. And it was at the end of the year. And at this point, I was editing a podcast episode and I was listening to the owner of Pravasa. Her name is Lyndon Schaefer, and that is a wellness tour operator. And she actually spoke about how she does that and the ways that she does her own digital detox. And she is completely off of everything, you know, TV, computer, phone, anything like that. Um, and how it helps her to reset and really become more centered in your purpose. And so for me, I thought, wow, that's really brilliant. I'm going to try it. And I noticed, I actually, at the time, I decided to take four days off of it. And within the first half of day, I felt joy again. And I realized I was struggling to find joy. Can I just clarify then, are you referring to emotional burnout? Yes. Okay. So this is something that I'm learning about, that there's different levels of burnout. There's not just the physical burnout that we're used to where, you know, you've been running 10 miles and your body's like, all right, now you need to like slow down, go have a hot bath and relax um, and eat well. So you're nourishing your body. But there's more, there's there's emotional burnout, there's spiritual burnout, and mental burnout. Yeah, and I would say this was emotional and mental. I was operating barely, like on autopilot. Nothing was feeling good. I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't access joy. I, there were Tears or nothingness. I think that was the, the funny thing is with more nothingness. So that's something that's actually really common within wellness travel is digital disconnect. So sometimes you will arrive at a healing property and they will give you what's called like a sleeping bag for your phone. <laughs> sleeping bag. So you, like put it in, you don't see it. You could carry it if you want to, or you could not. But the there's spaces where phones aren't allowed in many places. And it's so that you can really be present. And I think that's such a gift that we forget that is happening when we're constantly swiping and looking and typing and texting and whatever else we're doing on there. Yeah. So, I say often uh, we're more connected, but we're more disconnected mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is yes we're connected through social media through text messages uh, video calls like these are amazing bits of technology but we're disconnected from ourselves mm -hmm. like who are we without tech what do we stand for do we stand for 
this cute little outfit that we keep posting or is it something more than that and then that's what I really mean by that complete disconnection and so you're uh you're saying that the travel the healing with travel it's put your phone down and you said a really key word there be present Mm -hmm. And, and what that really means is that you can notice your breath your hearing sounds that you weren't picking up before you can uh smell all the fresh plants that's really being present but if your face is in your phone you don't even notice any of those things you're just noticing what's on the screen and usually that's how many likes have i got or some superficial stuff yes something that is not what's in front of you even your conversations. There are days where, you know, I, I've seen it with, with clients. I've seen it in my own life where people are so just attached to looking down to the alerts. I hate the alerts. I don't have any notifications except for calendars. So I know what I'm doing, but, um, the alerts. Oh, somebody text. Oh, somebody emailed. Oh, somebody. Who cares? It's going to be there. Yeah, it's you always know? going to be there, coming in thick and fast. We've got so many platforms. Yes. No wonder why we're distracted by these things. Yes, absolutely. I like I, said, I turn notifications off as much as I can. My phone's on do not disturb. Because there's actually there was actually a study done that shows when you're emailing, you know the pop up that comes with that can come with emails. Actually, usually automatically set up. Um, that I turn them down is every time that you're taken away from an email, get you get an alert, something happens. It takes you 90 seconds to focus back on what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's that's just, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's time wasted. No wonder we're just yeah. Often, distractions. If you were to add that up, there's a stat to say that we spend an extra two hours in our workday because of distractions, and that could be your your phone, your emails, but also the chit chat in the office. Which, fair enough, that, that's almost like a brain break. So I, I somewhat encourage it. But you could also do chunking in your work where you plan a time to check your emails it'll be okay that you reply to someone a few hours later. It's not an instant message that you must reply to. It's put it down, focus in, um, and, and, and deal with those things at a time that works for you. Exactly. Yeah, so in my uh, YouTube channel, in the description, I say, you know, subscribe to our channel, but do not turn on notifications. I do the opposite to what everyone else says because I do not want anyone to be controlled by the ping. So if I post something, I post something, fine. Go find it when it's the right time for you. Just go live your life. Stop being distracted and be present with yourself and notice how you feel. We don't do that enough. How do you feel right now? Um, (laughs) Thinking of technology, and whilst this is in my mind, I I like to say that we are experiencing the Amazon Prime effect. 
Mm. We want things instantly. Uh, this whole instant gratification. And it's trickled into the way that we communicate. So we're reliant on technology to have a conversation with someone. And it's very high level. It is general chit chat, small talk. And this is where I also mean that we're disconnected because we're not able to then just ask, well, how do you feel? Or pick up the cues going, oh, you just put your head down. Have I said something? Have I triggered something? Are you okay? Do you need a cuddle right now? We can't do that anymore. And so what we're doing, we're then replicating those communication styles from our phone into our day-to-day. So we meet our friends and it's again, the surface level conversations. Why can't we just ask our friends, how do you feel about that? Can I support you in this way? That's the rich conversations. And if we had that, maybe people won't be bottling it up and then getting themselves to a point where they you know, God forbid it, you know, uh, go down a severe addiction route or something uh, that's troublesome for them to then to work through, almost being a bit more proactive with the way that we operate our lives. I could not agree more. I will tell you in my own life, after the first dance with depression, as I was recovering, and coming out of it and healing and and I was on medication, allowing that to kick in. The friend base, I narrowed it and it really had to be the people that I could talk to, really talk to. And that's something for me that's continued to be valuable. I don't want to have those surface level conversations. And through this, pandemic, what I've valued is more quality time one-on-one with people than large groups. Yeah. And do you find that healing uh, travel can help you find groups? Because I I make an assumption here, when you go on this experience, you're meeting new people, probably in an intimate setting, maybe no more than 10, and you're being taught how to one connect with yourself but learn how to connect with others on a deeper level is that kind of how it works so it depends on the type of travel that you choose so what you're describing um is in line with a retreat i would say so there's organized retreats that are wellness and healing focused where they are guided where there's limited amount of people that are involved And that is an amazing way to connect and learn how to be in a deeper way. There's also going to a wellness or healing resort that offers these different modalities. And whether you're going with a friend, a group, or on your own, I think one of the things that I've really been impressed by was when you travel on your own to these places, how quickly you meet people because there's a automatic bond of excitement and of being open. You go to this space because you're opening up. Vulnerable. Yes. And it's really, it's powerful. And even for 
for those of us who might not have thought they wanted to meet people when they were out, which is, I think is more than okay. <laughs> um, it's surprising just how inviting and kind it is and how welcome it is as you're going through this journey when you're there. So you've got retreats where it's like program led and you're with a set amount of people. Whereas uh, the, how do you describe it? What's the term? Perhaps it's just um, individual travel, any other type of wellness or healing travel. It's a going to a property, staying at a hotel or resort, just like you would book anywhere else. And oftentimes, you know, pending the property, they'll be able to work with you on what your itinerary looks like. And that could range. So at, um, for example, at Ananda in the Himalayas, um, right outside of Rishikesh in India, they have a very thorough customized program that works with you before arrival, while you're there, and then after you leave. At, in the States at Canyon Ranch, it's the same kind of thing and they have certain programs that you can go through that they just launched. Or when I went, it was a gigantic menu that I studied for hours. And then I spoke to a program advisor who set it up and created it in a way that would maximize everything I wanted to get out of this experience. Uh, so it was about you, your individual needs, and they guide you through the options, which means then you would meet a variety of people because you may choose activity number four on day number one but that would mean that you meet different people to activity number two on day five and exactly I understand so that one's more you're making the conscious decision whereas the other option retreats uh, it's program led mm -hmm. so it's just how you want to do it, I suppose is there one key benefit over the other I think it's a personal choice really it's a different experience of what you would like. Some people don't want to be in a group setting that is so organized, they feel like they don't have a choice. So yeah. I think for me, my advice would be to, if you're, if you're not interested in that, dip your toes by going on your own or going with somebody you trust, you know, and trying it that way and then see, and maybe you want to do a group trip later and it's okay if you don't. But that way you're, you feel in control. And I think that's a big piece. I know at least for trauma survivors is feeling in control of the scenario. And so being in control of your own experience here and your own healing journey can be a very important part of this. Well, the good news is there's a variety of options. Uh, it's better to explore it and explore your emotions and, and connect to yourself, whichever way you choose to do it, than bottle it up. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Okay, so based on what we've shared today, what one key advice would you give to the listeners? Hmm. I would say be open to trying something new. There's so good. much. Yeah. yeah, there's so much there that's available that is either out of your comfort zone or like right there, but maybe a little different than what you knew before. And 
it's really what's going to stretch you and help you to grow and be a better you. Yeah. Yeah. Trust the process and, and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's the best um, place to, to grow from than stay the same and live in your current state. Do you have any services or products available to help the listeners to go to yellow? Yes, absolutely. So I have the uh, Travel Can Heal initiative. So this brings together a community of travelers, those of us who are on our healing journey or looking for support, as well as the different spaces within travel, the modalities, the suppliers that are there to help. So it is a very simple hashtag, travel can heal on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. How can the listeners get in touch with you? Uh, I would say uh, to head to my podcast through Inspired Eyes, and you'll hear more and more examples of ways that travel can support you. That sounds beautiful because if someone's really struggling right now to trust what we've just talk, talked about, they can learn through other people's experiences as the first step to booking something. Oh, I love it. Yes, do that. <laughs> well, brilliant. Jackie is available to support you, guide you, and inspire you on a journey to yellow. Reach out to her today. Help is here. It's always here, but you must take the first step. Details can be found in the description. Jackie, thank you for your words of wisdom today and in the Yellow Magazine. May your life be yellow.